This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Joining me on stage now are Yvonne Spicer, Vice President of Advocacy and Education Partnerships at Museum of Science Boston, and Jeff Poulin, Arts Education Program Coordinator at Americans for the Arts. Come on up. First of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, Kim, for inviting me to be here. Um, I just recently got off the plane from uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, uh, where I spent last week, um, I was in Ireland doing a very similar thing, what they call a STEM master class on helping Northern Ireland connect the dots in STEAM education, because there was, that was certainly a question that came up quite a bit in our conversation. Um, to give you a perspective, earlier this morning I had a chance to chat with a few teachers, and that is my background. I worked for 18 years as a K-12 educator, uh, teaching both middle school and high school as a district administrator, and I then went on to become a state education department uh, administrator to focus on that E in STEAM education. Because oftentimes, what I had found was there was a lot of emphasis on the S and M, not a whole lot of T and E, and certainly no A. So, see, I knew you all would take it somewhere where I didn't mean it to go. But that means you're alert and you're working with me this morning, so I'm glad of that. Um, but the reality is, what should this look like in the classroom? We, you know, we hear this acronym, we, we have a sense of what it means, and a large part of my work is looking at national policy, uh, also actually policies in districts, and helping school districts connect the dots. So that's where you'll hear me spend a lot of my focus on. And kind of thinking, as we go, let's see if we'll get this going. When we think of STEAM, you know, many of you, I don't have to, I always feel like I'm always speaking to the choir because you all get it. It's those folks that are in your district and your companies that don't see the value added of this. You see when kids, those, just as our young dance troupe was out dancing and expressing themselves on how that really inspires kids, how they're creative, how they're innovative, uh, looking at ways in which arts and culture impact workforce development. I'm sure the folks here at Qualcomm want to have workers that are connecting the dots and able to connect the dots. So that's one of the things that I kind of look at and I get inspired by. And then when I kind of think about, you know, our president loves selfies. You know that, too. He's like the selfie king. But I, I, I had an opportunity to look at this photo of both uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, who's on the left, and Neil uh, deGrasso Tyson, who's on the right. And these are two gentlemen that have done a lot to move this agenda forward. And when I started doing this work uh, a few years ago, there were very few hands moving that rock uphill. But over the last 10 or so years, there are many more hands that are moving the rock. And then the way I kind of look at it, if I bring my little cloth, Jeff's going to bring his cloth, Kim's going to bring her cloth, and so on, if everyone brings their cloth to the table and weave them together, we'll have a beautiful blanket that will 
cover this country in STEAM education. And I truly believe that. So we do need national focus and leadership around this. Um, the other thing, too, that I am very pleased to see is that a lot of our entertainers are taking on, how many of you know who Will I Am is? And he started to kind of pay a little attention to this initiative. And that's something that I am very impressed. And I had said that for a while. If only our children could see our entertainers talking about this, our musicians, why STEAM education is important, we would be in a better place. So there is movement and there's excitement. And that makes me feel very inspired. So as I keep moving... And I think about our legislators, and there's a Congressman Joseph P. Kennedy of the famed Kennedy clan, and Joe's, I mean his hair, he's got that bright red hair too, so you know, definitely a Kennedy. And Joe has done tremendous work, not only in the state of Massachusetts, but also around the country. And he has been, most recently, very supportive of bills that support STEM and STEAM education, uh, working in different um, places across the country. Uh, He has been a strong advocate, and I I, I also anticipate him continuing to be a strong champion for our work. So most recently, uh, and this just happened days ago, where this bill was up for discussion, and you know, and unfortunately, it didn't kind of move where I hope it will move. However, do yourself a favor: alert your legislators that this is important. Educating tomorrow's engineering act, and this is to make sure that funding is coming out of Washington to support these initiatives. If you look, this only used to include math and science, and we're trying to broaden the conversation to include the other parts of STEAM education, the T and the E and the A. Uh, and by the way, sometimes I may slip up and just say STEM. I truly believe you can't do STEM without the A. So it's all one thing to me. It's not an either or, it's all together. And I think it's so important that we let our legislators know where they need to be voting. And I know we can all get very cynical about Washington, but our voices get heard. And and being one that has worked at state government, I can tell you the squeaky wheel gets the oil So the more noise each individual person can make, the better for this initiative and other initiatives. So that's the kind of thing. And here's what this bill includes, design skills, computer science, just as you heard our prior speaker talk about, kids aren't learning this. And we need to make sure that we kind of keep pushing on this bill a little bit too. So I'm hoping that you'll come back and kind of uh, think about this and also push your legislators. So as I kind of keep moving, And this breaks it down for me, because I'm a visual learner. I'm one of those kinesthetic learners. How I understand something, I have to build it, see it, touch it, feel it. And this is a graphic that really shows us what our issues are. Now, if you look starting in high school, look, we got over 4 million kids in ninth grade. And over the course of a four-year high school, we lose about 1.2 million of them. Then you start to look and see who's gone to college. We lose a few more. Then you look and say, who is prepared? Those that go to college may not even necessarily be prepared for college. Then we look at that pipeline. So by the time we get to the end of the glass, with those that have a degree, 
It's pretty small, 167,000. We started off with 4 million. So this is a situation that is not only prevalent in Massachusetts, it's probably prevalent in California and other states. It certainly was something like the folks in Northern Ireland, when I showed them this slide, they're like, yeah, it's, it's a problem here. It's a real problem. So we have to figure out ways and strategies to stop the leaks, to close the gaps. And, it, and I will submit to you that it starts before high school. It starts early on in elementary school. We can't just start thinking about this Oh, well, we need to prepare kids for work. We need to be thinking about this across the education spectrum. And I'm, I'm mindful of time, so I'm keeping my, my timekeeper is working with me. But I want to look at some milestones. So you know where we've gone. We know the issues, but we've made some progress. And these are just some things that I've had the good fortune to work on and uh, policies that impact STEM education, and particularly the next generation science standards. I actually worked on the team that developed the framework for the E piece because one of the things you'll hear people talk about, STEAM, STEM, STEAM, STEM, STEAM, STEM, but nobody's talking about the E. They don't even know what that E means. They say education. It doesn't mean education. It's engineering. And And I'm not ashamed to say it. And when we say engineering, we're talking the same things to create, to build, to design. Like you've all been encouraged to sketch. Do you know that's the first step in the engineering design process is to sketch, brainstorm ideas. And that's why you all got little sketch pads as gifts today. So that's the kind of thing we're saying different words, but we're really meaning the same thing. And one of the greatest uh, uh, piece of legislation is really saying if there's not a policy, if there's not a way to measure it, it doesn't happen in schools. So I'm trying to get to a place where people are comfortable with the E, comfortable with the A, just as comfortable as they are with math and science and using those words, and as well as technology. People tend to get a little bit more comfortable with technology pieces. So kind of thinking about that, what do I do at the National Center? We've connected the dots as best we can. We've tried to look and say, yes, we know what teachers have to do in schools. If, it doesn't ha- if they don't have the resources, it's not going to happen. If they don't have the impetus to do it or there's a policy around doing it, it's not going to happen. If it doesn't connect to what they're already doing in the classroom, it's not going to happen. We've tried our best to create materials to help teachers connect the dots in STEM education and STEAM education. We have an elementary series called Engineering is Elementary. How many of you have ever heard of Engineering is Elementary? Oh, look at all the EIE people up in the room. I love it, love it, love it. How many of you have used it? How many of you love it? Yeah, okay, I will go and get, the, go and get some more love in this room in a minute. Uh, just thinking, well, I'm going to work with you. It's a great series because what it helps teachers do is to connect the dots between science, technology, engineering, and math. It aligns science and engineering, but every, pro, every uh, unit ends in an activity that culminates and connects science, technology, engineering, and math for children. The other thing I love about it, it's very culturally diverse. So you have children represented from around the world. It leads with a story, because we know in elementary school, if children aren't reading, it's not happening. Literacy is a big block of time, so why not read about engineering? And that's one of the things we try to work very closely with teachers to do. Everything we produce 
If it is not aligned with teachers or teachers haven't vetted it, we don't produce it. We go through a two-year cycle. Uh, we have trial teachers that test out everything we do. Does it work in the classroom? They, nope, this activity takes too long. This material, I can't find it. We change it based on that. So everything we do is teacher tested and it's aligned to standards. We have to do that. And that gives it a greater credibility. It's also been researched. We've seen students actually impact and improve their learning as a result of these uh, programs. Our, uh, which is one thing I love. It. The other thing that we've gone to is after-school curriculum, and that's online for free. So if you go to our website, uh, uh, www.eie.org, you should be able to find our after-school uh, program called Engineering Adventures. And these are free downloadable units for teachers to be able to use. We've looked at middle school and high school. Here's the other thing. We know that if children are not successful in middle school, the likelihood of them being able to pursue a STEAM field, and particularly engineering or sciences, is slim. Math is the little uh, cutoff point, and it's algebra. Uh, building math is about building algebra proficiency through activity. So we kind of come at the children back door. They're learning algebra, but they're doing activities and they're going on adventures and they're thinking about the adventure, but we're also teaching them algebra. And we do have a full year high school course. I talked to a woman earlier this morning. She said she uses Project Lead the Way and people will ask me, how is this like Project Lead the Way? Well, I'll tell you, it's a one-year course. Project Lead the Way is a four-year curriculum. I used to be the state leader for Project Lead the Way in Massachusetts. I know the program. This is designed as an introductory experience. So that's the good part. Now, at the end of the day, you've got all this great curriculum, and you've got wonderful teachers that want to do it, and I saw a bunch of teachers, yeah, I like it, I want to do all this stuff. But if you don't have an administrator to help you or support you, you you're dead in the water. Right? And that's why I run this program called Gateway to Leadership, which is designed to help school districts to think about this strategically from elementary all the way through high school. You can't participate unless you come as a team. And I've worked with over 100 school districts in five different states. So this is a program that where you're starting to say it's not happening just in pockets, it's happening collectively. So here's what we've done in the last almost 10 years. We're celebrating 10 years, which is amazing. And over 7 million students we've reached. Online professional development. We have partners. We have partners here in California as well. In Santa Barbara, we've done a lot in the Santa Barbara area. But we're looking for more. 40 partners nationally and external research to measure success. STEAM education is not only about content, it's about measuring that success how is it looking, and particularly, how is it looking for children of color? That's one of the areas, too, that I'd like, probably in our discussion, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Oh, that was lame. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, excellent. Well, thank you very much for welcoming me here. Um, oh, how do I, next, there we go. Uh, my name is Jeff Poulin, and I come from Americans for the Arts, which is an organization based out of Washington, D.C. We are the leading organization for the advancement of the arts and arts education in America. Um, and I, I applaud uh, some of the uh, notes that were mentioned earlier about 
some of what is our core theory of change, which is working with change makers at the local, state, and federal level to advance the arts and arts education throughout the country, like folks uh, on our grass tops level, our elected officials, our celebrities, um, our celebrity artists, and also those at the grassroots level like students, parents, and teachers. So I'm really thrilled to be here today to work with you all and to talk a little bit about something that I'm super passionate about, which is taking the STEM conversation that's happening to become about STEAM. Now, according to a couple of different things that are out there, I want to just provide a context um, from some seminal reports that look through all of the literature. And in EdWeek, they mentioned that STEM promotes critical thinking, problem-solving, creativity, innovation, communication, collaboration, and entrepreneurship. Well, there was a report that was put out by the Arts Education Partnership, which is another national arts education organization, that looked through all of these great reports and said that STEAM promotes creativity, problem-solving, collaboration, communication, leadership, and critical thinking. Huh. That's interesting. They're basically the same thing. However, I'd also like to point out that in that same report by the Arts Education Partnership, they mentioned that arts education through STEAM works towards uh, perseverance, cross-cultural understanding, civic engagement, community, building community, school culture, academic achievement, other subjects like English language arts and math, and motivation to learn. So why are we talking about this today? If they're basically the same, adding the arts also does all these great things across the school curriculum, why are we here? Why are we talking about this? Well, I want to back up and talk to you a little bit about the history of STEAM and some things that have happened. And Yvonne presented a great summary in her last slide there. But I want to mention a couple of other things and reframe that question. So I want to talk about the thinkers, the policymakers, and the implementers of STEAM and how they work together like these gears do. Thinking about it, about 10 years ago, there was a guy named John Maida who came from the Rhode Island School of Design. Everyone's heard of John? Yeah, awesome, good. I like the cheer. I like, I like the, uh, the lightness of this group. So the thinkers really started saying, okay, we need, to, we need to change this conversation. We need to integrate the arts and design and all of those things into what is this growing field of STEM education. And that influenced some policymakers. And as policymakers do, it took them a couple of years to get on board. And then we had the 112th Congress in 2013, which was led in the STEAM uh, development by two people, bipartisan, in the formation of the Congressional STEAM Caucus, which was Suzanne Bonamici, a Democrat from Oregon, and Representative Aaron Schock, a Republican from Illinois. And then it kind of started to trickle, trickle down. And we had people all over the country saying, great, well, we want to talk about STEAM. We want to implement it in the classroom. And these folks have got together and through some national associations and a lot of collaborations launched in October of last year an organization called the Innovation Collaborative, which works to network the arts, the sciences, and the humanities to promote innovation thinking. I'd encourage you to check out their work at innovationcollaborative.org, not only because I worked on this project, but also because of what they're trying to do. They're trying to take all of that great thinking that happened over the past decade or so from folks like John Maida and, and others integrate it with policy development and work through the implementers and effective practices. Now, what they're really trying to do is reframe this whole discussion because we've done all of this, but we need to go back to the beginning. We need to start looking at what are those effective practices that are happening right here in San Diego, in Boston, all throughout the country in communities from north to south, east to west, and see how we can influence that policy or to influence those thinkers 
to impact the policy to trickle down to the implementers again. This is what we call our policy cycle, right? So reframing that question, reframing that process, I want to ask you all a favor. What can you do? What is the next big idea? And I want to challenge you, when in your thinking process, to think about issues of access and equity. So earlier, um, we had folks from Qualcomm talking about how they work towards, ma towards making sure that every student has equitable access to online services, to a great education. Well, but let's also think about some of our disadvantaged populations across the board. Forget STEAM for a second. Think about education. There is not equal education across this country. We look at different slices of the student population, and we realize that it's not the same. So when we think about STEAM, are, are, are we just preparing certain portions of our population to excel in STEAM? Or are we looking broadly across the board? And when we talk about education, are we talking about students in school? Are we talking about early childhood? Are we talking about out of school? Are we talking about higher education? Are we talking about adult and continuing ed education? Are we talking about creative aging programs? How do we interface these broad concepts in STEAM education to make sure that every student regardless of age, ability, location, is able to pursue the benefits of STEAM. I want to challenge you. What do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we take the great work that has happened and translate it to action? Well, I have one word, advocacy. How many people in this room would identify themselves as an advocate? Great. That is absolutely phenomenal, and I'm really pleased to see that. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask you one more question. If you think about that word advocacy with a big A, oftentimes we notice that people look at that word and say, oh, well, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to walk the halls of Congress, which I tell you is really, really fun. And if you have, like, some nice shoes and you, like, click down as you walk through the halls, it's really, you know, you feel cool, Right. But there's much more to advocacy when you think about it. It's talking to people in your school. It's providing co public comment at your school board. It's gathering a group of people to think about a topic like we're doing right here today. So for those who didn't identify yourselves as advocates, I would encourage you to challenge that definition and think about the actions that you're taking. Furthermore, we're Americans for the arts. How many people in this room think of yourselves as artists? Okay, good amount. Not, not as many as we're advocates. I'm going to challenge your definition again. Do you sing in the shower? Do you dance along to the radio at a stoplight or in California traffic on whatever highway I was on this morning? You know, do you sketch in your books that you were given today? Okay, with that definition, how many people in this room would identify themselves as an artist? Okay, much better, much better. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, we're going to have a conversation after this uh, because I can prove that you are. Um, I grew up dancing. I appreciated the dance troupe earlier today and can do a little time step if you want me to to prove it. But there's so much more to what we're talking about when we talk about arts and advocacy and STEAM. Putting all of these things together is really what it's about. And no matter what role you play in the complicated ecosystem that we have, there is a specific task for you as it relates to advocacy. Whether it is looking back at this, whether you're a thinker, whether you're a policymaker in your own right. We had the mayor here yesterday. We had the Arts Commission present. We had school board members in attendance. 
Whether you're an implementer, a teacher, a parent implementing things at home, a friend, a family member, there's something that we all can do. So going back to this, we have advocacy. We have unique roles that we can play in advocacy. And we need to bring it back to start thinking about everything that has happened so far and how we continue that process down the road. And we all know the benefits, whether they're academic achievement, youth development, school climate, workforce development, civic engagement. There's reports out the roof of the benefits of this work. So what can you do? Are you a business leader? Can you provide a space like this to help advance the cause? Are you a teacher that can work with your school board, your principal, your curriculum developers? Are you a parent that can bring attention to it in your community? I challenge you with that. Think about what you can do. Think about how you can advance this cause and think about how we can all work together to make sure that every child, every learner in America has access to STEAM education. Thank you guys very much. And now we're going to sit and talk, which according to our taxi driver this morning, our banter is hilarious and we should have a reality show. We like that. Yeah. We, our, our van driver said if there was a reality show, he would watch our, the Jeff and Yvonne show. So that was kind of really cool this morning. Very cool. Excellent. So we can open it up. And I felt some people tweeting, which, by the way, thank you. Um, I will pull out my phone. So if you do have a question you are more than welcome to tweet it at us. Um, but, Yvonne, you mentioned some things that I hit on a little bit in those questions of access and equity. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh, you know, the, at the end of the day, it, 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 I, I being a, a, a woman that has studied a non-traditional field my entire professional career. I, I, you know, I've been on engineering education for over 30 years, technology and engineering education. And I can honestly tell you there were not, first of all, many women that did this. So that's one population. And then you drill down to African-American. Certainly there were none. So when I think about my mentors, my role models, I had none in engineering education. All of my mentors and role models have been white males. And I have been fortunate to have males in my life that has propelled me, including our current president at the Museum of Science who uh, hails from Greece. And he recognizes talent. And so that's wonderful to have had that career pathway. But I think about so many kids that have fallen through the cracks because there's no one that even said, they know what this is, that they can pursue a career in science, technology, engineering, math. And they may have the aptitude, but they don't have the sponsorship to do so. So that always concerns me. Great, no, I, I totally agree. And it's something that we often talk about um, at Americans for the Arts, and, and I know there are uh, some of my colleagues here from local and state arts agencies, um, and especially as we talk about arts education, that the, the access gap is so broad and so um, disheartening. Um, and especially across things, you know, race, of course, is something to, to look at. But um, in terms of STEAM education, one of the things that we're seeing is rural versus urban is a huge thing with access to some of the resources that are out there. And I know you mentioned some of the curriculums that you have that are really, really beneficial. And, um, and we're looking at that, especially because of the infrastructure that does exist with education throughout the country. Um, and for us specifically, with the infrastructure that exists with the arts community, 
um, that reaching it kind of in those ways and bringing folks together to have these conversations, placing the A in the existing frameworks of STEM uh, to make sure that every student, regardless of their demographics, um, has the equitable access that we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I still keep coming back to all of the life experience because there's always a situation where no matter where I am in the world, I, uh, I try to look at where, who's being disenfranchised in that particular area, whether it could be culturally, it could be religious, and being in Northern Ireland, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, there is peace, but there, there, there's still uh, underlying current that is going on. And so we have to kind of look and say, how do we level the playing field? And then this is where I come back to schools. Because the, at the end of the day, whether you, when you get your class list for the beginning of the school year, you have an opportunity as teachers to inspire. Uh, for those of us that work in business and industry, you have to look, when you're in a meeting, sometimes I ask, it's not who's in the meeting, but who isn't at the meeting. Who hasn't, who's not represented here? And, and don't begin to think that you can speak for them. We need to make sure those groups are invited and a part of the conversation. So that's where I kind of put a lot of my energy. And sometimes you can say things when you're a guest. <laughs> it's very difficult when you work in an agency. But I can point out that elephant in the room that is, you know, and call people out on it too. So, you know, don't tell me we're focusing on STEAM education and everybody that is at the table represents math and science because you're missing the other components. Don't tell me we're looking at a closing the achievement gap if I'm looking at nobody that is a part of the gap, you know? So, and say, we're the gap people here, you know? So that's the kind of thing that I think, and, and here's the thing, it's also being, it's not just me as another, but it's also building that, those allies that can advocate I mean, for example, it's much easier for a white male to advocate for children of color than it is for me to do so. So that's the kind of thing, you know, thinking about advocating for those groups that you're not a part of. And how can you be an advocate for that? Call people out on their stuff. You know, when we have inequitable educational policies that we, you know, you walk by a class and you say, oh, these are the honor children. And... There are no children of color, and 40% of your children in your school district are children of color. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. So, and, uh, and, and it needs to be addressed. So this is why I come back to a lot of my work is looking at leadership, because leadership needs to lead. And leadership is not just kind of going along with policy like rats on a wheel that we know it doesn't work. Get off the wheel and do something different. Yeah, and on that leadership, someone just tweeted and they were talking about the, the role of business um, mm-hmm. in this conversation, which I think is really, really fascinating. And um, what, a statistic that I always hang on to is the college board, which is the, uh, sorry, the conference board. The college board is education. The conference board is business. And they um, represent um, some of the top CEOs all across the country. And there was a statistic that 93% of uh, members of the conference board said that creativity was the number one thing that they look for in employees. And of that 93%, 72% said that they cannot find future employees that are creative enough. 
And so when we talk about that leadership, there is, in my opinion, a very distinct role for business to play in making sure that the delivery of things like STEAM education are level across the playing field and are developing our next generation of leaders and our next workforce. Um, and, and there's lots of thought out there, I think, as where our workforce is going and the GDP question about the creative industries and all of that kind of stuff. But that, that role of business is so essential in making sure that this education is delivered in an effective way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we can open the floor up to questions if there are a few. We have a few minutes left. Is there anyone that would like to be brave from the audience to pose a question? Ah, very good question. How do you define the gap people? The gap people is really looking at the data and saying, who's involved here? And when we start to look at the data, whether we're taking measures of your standard test, are students of color excelling at, at the same rate? Are, and, and if you're in a community, uh, I, I worked in a very affluent community, but there was an economic divide. Who, it's really incumbent upon the schools to really look at who is not being successful here. It's very easy to pull out the kids that are going to be successful. Those are that, are, and I worked in a very affluent school district that we had tremendous success, tremendous resources, but there was that element, that group of students that did not succeed. And, and you started to look at the data. I could geographically pinpoint on the map of the community where those children lived. And it was this enclave neighborhood and, and by the way, these were all white children, but it was this enclave of na- neighborhood where these children were not succeeding. So that's when I'm talking about the gap. But the underrepresented groups can be racial, it can be economic, it can also be a combination of both. So it's really trying to look clearly at that uh, where you're not having success. And I'd go on to build on that to say that some of that data collection um, sometimes isn't as apparent as it may be. Um, And I want to point your attention in the direction of New York City and um, the Comptroller's report, Scott Stringer, uh, who looked at access to kind of well-rounded education, one of those sectors being the arts, and found that there were many schools throughout the five boroughs of New York City that did not have certified arts educators in their school, which meant those students were not receiving a robust arts education that is guaranteed through federal, state, and um, local law in the city of New York. But what was interesting is when they then overlaid that with the socioeconomic status of those neighborhoods. And what they quickly saw is that low SES students didn't have even the opportunity to engage in arts-integrated education like STEAM. And then there was almost an overrepresentation in some more affluent neighborhoods. And so what they looked to do was to correct that and build towards the future. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about, yeah. is that systemic change to continually look at data, to continually assess and evaluate, and then to build in those policies, going back to those policymakers to make sure that it is built in an, an equitable system across the board. Absolutely. So the question is, how do you incorporate parents into the, the cycle of, of uh, I would say, the advocacy cycle, if that's a fair representation of the question? And um, personally, um, I'm very passionate about our, the engagement of parents in the learning of students, simply because learning is legislated. Um, whether it's a local school board or we're talking about the reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, as it's being debated in Congress right now in Washington, it is legislated. Um, and legislators listen to their constituents. 
Whether you agree with that statement or not, I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) But at the end of the day, the most effective advocates that we find in conversations about advocacy are parents, students, and educators. Um, And if you are one of those three groups, I would direct you to read the works of Judith Sachs. She's from Australia. And she talks about uh, educational revolutions and um, reforms and how they are at the the helm um, that the parents, students, and teachers often are at the helm of that work. Um, And it's an essential part. Uh, To me, it's not a question of if, but a question of when parents get involved. Um, Because it is, in my opinion, one of the only ways that education will ever reform. Absolutely. And I just want to piggyback, uh, clearly, as Jeff alluded, is that parents are your children's first teachers. And and if they're not engaged in this process, then their children are left out of it. And and to give you an example, I was uh, visiting a a, um, STEM preschool and in San, Diego, uh, San Antonio. And actually, they had classes for the children who were three and four years old in STEM, but they also had trainings for parents on why this is important. And, and mind you, this was a school district that uh, 90% of the parents were, uh, English was their second language. And so being able to help these parents, even from their three and four-year-olds, understand the value added, why, what kinds of jobs can their children get, what kinds of jobs can they get, So it was a combination of working with their children, but also working with building the capacity for parents to understand and look at some opportunities for themselves. And I'm going to take that point just one step further, too, to say that uh, education is delivered in the home school and in the community. Um, And I think it's naive to talk about STEAM education only within the context of K-12 schools. Um, There's many things, including the the Da Vinci Award winner, and I'm going to point your direction, um, and the San Diego Youth Symphony uh, delivers a lot of that in in an out-of-school context as well. Um, And there's an emerging field called creative youth development, which you should definitely look up, um, that works less towards academic outcomes, but more towards those positive youth development outcomes. And looking at that homeschooling community, we need to understand how holistically students are educated. So if business and if community leaders are not involved in the education of those students outside of the school setting, just as much as parents are within the home, then we're missing uh, a bigger opportunity for the educational value of what we're trying to do and how it builds through that through line through life, frankly. Um, And I think that there's much to be said for that involvement in communities um, and the lifelong education as we move towards them, some of those goals in workforce development and, and all of those things. Um, so there's much more to be looked at in all three of those settings, in the home, the school, and in the community. Yeah, this will be our last question. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, would, I know we're just about out of time, yeah. so I think we can each say one, one quick thing about that. And what I would argue is that whether we're talking about STEAM education, whether we're talking about all of those component parts of STEAM education... It's all about a well-rounded education. And I love that you referenced ASCD because I go on to say that when we talk about a well-rounded education, we're also talking about educating the whole student and looking after not only their educational needs, but their health needs, their uh, dietary needs, you know, all of those components that go into educating a well-rounded student. And frankly, for a lot of leaders, to understand all of the nuances of those component parts is very hard it's a broad scheme, but understanding these big concepts of looking after a whole well-rounded education and that entire student um, are components that usually uh, make some progress in that field. In 10 seconds or less, my background and my doctorate is in educational leadership. And 
leaders need to take it home. If, you, if your parents aren't coming to school for parent night, da, 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 you need to take it to the community. Go to the churches, go to the synagogues, go to the playground. You need to engage in any way you can. Email, text message, everybody text. You need to figure out strategies as a leader to make sure that they are connecting because you're right. Leadership is key in this whole thing and we need to build strong leaders and that's a large part of my work is working with leadership. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Jeff.